All right, welcome back to Good Vibes Nation. It's Nick. Doug's not with me on this one, and he's missing out. I've got former NFL wide receiver who played 17 years in the league, was to five Super Bowls, two-time Super Bowl champ, and also member of the greatest show on turf. With me today, Ricky Prohl. Ricky, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. I left this out of the bio, but uh, I'm going to throw it in there. I can't forget to mention you're a New Jersey native as well. You graduated from Hillsborough High School. My co-host, Doug, tends to give me a hard time because we have a lot of people come on from Jersey. But, man, I'm proud that you're from Jersey. So tell us about that. Did you uh, did you grow up there? Are you from there originally? Where are you from? I, um, I'm originally, I was born in the Bronx, New York. Mom and dad grew up there. Um, they went to Tallentine High School. Dad went to Fordham. And we moved to New Jersey when... I was probably four, three, four years old and grew up there. And, and you know, Nick, I mean, being from Jersey, uh, we all take great pride. I think it's, uh, you know, I look at who I am today and I think a lot has to do with growing up, the upbringing in New Jersey. You know, it's we all have that edge about us. We kind of laugh, you know, all the guys over the years that I played with from Jersey, we we just have that kind of chip, that edge of just, you know, when you grow up in New Jersey, um, it's highly, it's very competitive. And, Absolutely. And no matter what, whether it's on a football field, basketball court, in your car on 287, the turnpike fighting for lanes. Um, but you know, I look back and, 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 uh, you know, I, I take pride in being from New Jersey. I, 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 cause I think it's, it has a lot to do with who I am today and, and, um, being a better athlete, being a better father, a better dad, um, you know, some of the things that I instill in my kids. Um, a lot of that's from my upbringing, from mom and dad, but from a lot of the friends and, and the surroundings of New Jersey. I agree with you 100% on that. What was, uh, what was family like growing up? Did you, obviously you played sports. Did your family support you doing that growing up or how was that? It was, um, you know, a small family, didn't have any cousins, mom and dad are both, um, only children. So it was just me and my sister. Um, but great, man. I, I just had a, great bunch of friends, male and female. We had a, a group in high school the whole time, you know, of, about 10 guys, 10 girls. We did a lot together. We went to the beach, you know, grew up in the Jersey shore. That's right. You know, renting those houses over the summer months, you know, fond memories of that. But um, we just, the thing I look back at my childhood and so many fond memories of just whatever, whatever season it was, that was the sport we were playing, whether it was basketball, baseball, football, God, we play hockey in the gym, um, on the ice when, when it was got cold enough to, to freeze the local ponds or lakes. And, um, I just loved it, man. I had a well-rounded childhood. Uh, mom and dad were very supportive. I grew up a Yankee fan. Used to go to all the games, giants. My dad had season tickets. Um, so I just, I grew up being around sports and just, uh, you know, pretty good baseball player. Um, but just fell in love with football. At a young age. You're talking my language now, Ricky. Giants fan, Yankees fan. That's a, that's who I am, too. It's crazy. I'm going to talk to a lot of people from being up north. It's like a lot of Giants, mostly Giants fans or Yankees fans, and then Jets fans or Mets fans. And I joke around all the time. I'm like, it's right. just because they're right. they're dumb and they need to remember their teams because they rhyme. <laughs> yeah, no, so it, it, that is crazy. But So what about training growing up for you? Was it, uh, you know, did you have anything – special or were you just using the facilities that that were available to you the you know local gyms and you know high schools and, and stuff like that how about that 
there was there was no gyms. We, I mean, there was no. I shouldn't say there was no tra- training. No, I just I, I was just a, you know, back in the days we we would just play in. Florio's had a backyard where we played football in his backyard. This guy's yard, Mike Sapila, had a yard. We played baseball because he, you know, we tried to hit it off to so and so's house. That was a home run. Yeah, we played in the garage driveway wiffle balls playing off the garage um you know when I got into high school uh, like I said man I was only uh, like 105 pounds my freshman year and I finally started growing me and my high school quarterback Steve Ugetta would go to Hunterdon Central Racket Club and started lifting weights there that's my my memories of of yeah training so to speak. and I was basically just lifting weights and uh because our high school we didn't have our weight room was that one universal thing where everything was on that right. one piece. Yeah. Very small. Yep. So it, you know, I look at my kids and, and you don't want to be that dad that says when I was growing up, but it was totally different. Now Absolutely. you look at um, facilities that, that these kids have the opportunity to train in and, and really grow from a stronger, faster. And, and you're seeing it, you're seeing it at, at every level. Um, and it's uh you got to look at this generation smarter than we were, I guess. Yeah, no, I understand. Like I said, a hundred percent, a hundred percent there. Uh, you know, I've got two girls play, both play softball, uh, 12 and eight, and they both have a hitting coach. And that's something I didn't have a hitting, a hitting coach at all, you know, and they've had them for a couple of years. It's just a different time. And if you want to be competitive, you know, on, on that level, you've got to put in the work and you have to have that expertise, right? You've got, Hitting coaches, pitching coaches at you know ten and twelve years old, which is which is crazy. What about you know, your vision to play pro? Did you always want to play pro, or did it just kind of you got into high school and kind of how did that? Talk me through that. How did that happen? Growing up, going to giant games since nineteen seventy six. Um, you know, watching the Phil Sims, the Joe Morris, and you know I could name guys that people probably never heard of, but. Yeah, I, I did dream about it. I think, you know, I told my dad, you know, I'm going to play in the stadium one day. And he kind of looked at me and laughed like, yeah, okay, son. Um, you know, like we always dream. I, I don't know if I really knew that I would play. That was a dream. I loved my favorite player growing up was Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely dreamed about it. But it wasn't like I was a physical specimen early in my high school, yeah. school days. Um, where like I, I got, Hey, I got a chance, you know, I know that was not the case at all. I mean, I probably didn't really start playing till my junior year. Finally started growing a little bit, putting on weight. I was a running back my whole life, pop one or high school, early days. And the guy gets hurt and I moved to receiver and we're playing hundred and central. And I have a big game, a couple of touchdowns and, and my senior year, they moved me to receiver, but I thought I was going to be honest with you. I thought I was going to Shippensburg or East Stroudsburg or, you know, Lafayette, maybe. And Wake Forest came out of nowhere, recruited me and, and went down there on a visit, fell in love with Wake, and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. Man, so that's awesome. You go from uh, New Jersey to North Carolina. I could relate. And then from there, talk us through that. So what was it like, you know, making it to the next step? How'd that happen? It was, let me, I'll, I'll be honest with you. First of all, it was culture shock going to Wake Forest, North Carolina. That was, that was a, a big change, but it was it was a harder transition for me from high school to college than, than college to pro. And, and the reason for that, Nick, was because high school, you know, at that time I was probably running maybe a four, six or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
but I was faster, quicker than everybody on the high school field. You know, I could turn a hitch and go 60 yards for a touchdown. It was, you know, not that it was easy, but it was, it was easier. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go to everybody's running. Yeah. You got defensive ends. Four, six, four, four, five. Yeah. yeah, Four, 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 five. You know, you got players that now you really got to make the adjustment of, you got to play fast all the time. Yeah. And, And it's people that are as fast as you. So it comes down to technique. It comes down to, study and really training, working at your craft. And, and, um, so for me, I, I took great pride in that. Um, and just, you know, I, I felt like I was a good athlete, but I felt like no one was going to outwork me. And, um, you know, it's one of those deals as a freshman, I played as a true freshman. Um, we had a pretty good team and then my sophomore year, I got better and I started and I, uh, I had a, I led my team in receiving and all that. And, you know, it's one of those deals where every year you, you think you're doing good and then you look back the next year and watch film on yourself and you're like god that's terrible yeah like i thought i was pretty good yeah that's all you know and, and then you know i just got better and better and just you know i'm that guy that i'm a, I'm a perfectionist to a fault like sometimes it hurts you but i worked hard and, and just kept training kept getting bigger and stronger and it was probably my junior year when i really realized i can play at the next level like i i just i can go out here and not dominate but just make plays it will. If they throw me the ball, I'm going to make plays. Yeah. And, um, you know, I end up, you know, honorable mention all American three years in a row. I wasn't all conference till my senior year, but I was a 58 pick overall. And, and, um, and then it kind of starts all over. You get in the national football yeah. league and you're like, I wonder if I'm good enough. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. um, that whole process starts all over again. And I got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals and just blessed to have a, a couple guys, Roy green that took me under his wing and, and, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a good experience for me playing a, a, with someone that I, I looked up to as a fan would see him come into giant stadium and knew he was fast. He played both sides of the ball. And, and, uh, he saw my talent and, and took me in and, and really taught me a lot. Well, you're definitely good enough. Ricky. 17 years in the league is unheard of. You know, I mean, you look at these guys careers now, I mean, what's the average three or three or four, you know, so for 17 years, we played with a bunch of teams. I mean, you played, like I said at the beginning, in the, in the intro, the greatest show on turf. I mean, that, I remember watching that Super Bowl and just being in, in awe of the talent alone that was on on that team. So you, I'm going to ask a, I'm going to ask a fun well, – two fun questions I like to ask. First, what was the hardest hit? What do you think that – can you remember back on a, on a hit when you were just like, wow, and, and who it was that kind of maybe cleaned your clock or – or what? What was the? Can you think of a, of a time that was probably your hardest hit? There were two of them. I don't know which one was. <laughs> I think uh, I think the the one the one I remember it was it was my rookie year against Buffalo in Buffalo in freezing rain, high winds. I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. It's one of those games you can't wait for it to. Be. But I I ran a, a crossing route in our quarterback and I wasn't smart enough to sit down in his zone, and I just kept running and he threw me into Daryl Talley oh. and I mean the last thing I you know the next thing I remember was snow and freezing rain going in my mouth and my eyes you oh. know I was I think the first thing that hit was the back of my head um and then the next one was down in Atlanta a linebacker by the name of Jesse Tuggle another crossing route and I, I made a guy miss I kind of made a move and under came on and he must have peeled back. I never saw him. I was looking up the field, and he came back from line of scrimmage, uh-huh. and just his head, the butt of his head in my chest, and and that, that one, 
I mean, first thing hit was the back of my head, but I, I mean, wind was knocked out of me. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And, uh, but I, but you know, I was fortunate that I was able able to come back and I yeah. never 17 years and never had any surgeries. Um, you know, I missed some time. I think I missed 15 games in 17 years. I had a, broke my ankle, tore my shoulder, but came back pretty quick. Um, so I was truly blessed. And I, I think those two hits solidified. You better start learning how to read yeah. coverages, when to sit down and where, be observant of where people are on the field. And, and uh, I took pride in that. And I think that's – go ahead. I say, before I get on to the next question, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what do you think of the game today? Obviously, they've made some changes, uh, you know, to, to protect the players. You, what, are, what are your thoughts on on that? I know both of your – we'll get to it in a second, but both your sons are playing now. I don't know. I don't know if I have the right answer, or I don't know if I want to tell you what I truly believe. You know, I just – I feel bad. I'm an offensive guy. I feel bad for defensive guys. Yeah. They can't – they're playing with one arm in their back. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, that was part of the game. Like, that's why people fall in love, the contact, the, the woo with the crowd, yeah. you know, and it's, it's being a smart football player, understanding defenses and when to sit down and how to get down. And, um, you know, to me, if quarterback puts you in a bad position – and the defense, you know, that that's part of the game. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's hard. I, I, You know, you want to protect the players. You want to be safe, but they've got to protect themselves too. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, from the quarterbacks where if you don't have a good enough line and you can't protect the quarterback, you, you can't blow the whistle. It, it's just, I don't know. I think it's it's taken away some of the, the integrity of the game and why people have fallen in love with it, you know. And I, like I said, I, I just – I feel for defensive guys. How do you play aggressive when you're coming to try to make a tackle? And if I'm a receiver, if I'm a ball carrier, and I I lower my body to take the impact, I'm going to lower my head. And if our heads hit, the defensive guy is going to get penalized. That, that that's not right. And and I just it's frustrating for me as a former player. Yeah, you know curious. I could have played 20 years if it, I, I was curious. Yeah, you know? I was curious to ask that because uh, as a fan. I feel the same way that you did, whether it's old school and the football that we were raised on and watching it with my dad and you said just hearing the hits and now it's it's changed 100%. And even on the, on the college level and stuff like that, and not only is it just a penalty, but they call a targeting call. You're tossed. You're gone. There's your, you know, your favorite player and he's gone, tossed from the game. And, you know, I love all aspects of the game and kind of think about – I love one of the favorite my favorite players that I used to love to watch too was Sean Taylor, and I can't picture Sean Taylor playing in a league like now, right? Where he that guy he didn't care, and it was the Pro Bowl he's licking a shot on you, you know, if if he had it, and I try to watch the game now if he was in it, it's just it just kind of blows blows my mind. So I was, appreciate you answering that, and like I said, you've got two sons that are in the league now, so I was really curious to ask, ask that. Before I get there, though, I want to go back to another fun question. What about a highlight? Right, I'm sure you have a ton of highlights in your career that you can look back on. But do you have one or two that stands out? That maybe it's a you know a catch in the in the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl or what? Do you have anything that that's more towards the top of your list than others? I think um, I mean obviously for me with the Rams, uh, greatest show on turf. I mean the NFC Championship. You know a game against Tampa that was just. A, a slugfest. I mean, they great defense and they really did a great job of containing uh, something that we were, we were struggling with the whole game. I mean, we had scored 30, 40 points every game until that game. And I think this, you know, score was six, five, we were down and I hadn't scored a touchdown all year. And uh, I became kind of the third down guy and, and everybody was scoring touchdowns that year. 
I mean, tight ends, tackles, um, defense, I think, scored six <laughs> touchdowns on defense. So for me, it was kind of a standing joke, but, um, you know, it, it was kind of, um, you know, a moment for me that every kid dreams about games on the line and, and it's third down and to make a catch over the shoulder to help, you know, catapult our team into the uh, Super Bowl yeah. down in Atlanta um, was was a dream come true, man. It was like slow motion. It was just uh, best feeling in the world. It, it's it's. Like I said, it's it's like something you dream about as a kid, whether it's playing baseball, hitting a home run in the last inning or a grand slam. It was right. it was everything. It was like felt like I was everything was when I caught it and Isaac and rolling my teammates or hugging, you know, I look up in the stands for the family. It was like slow motion, man. It was just the most exhilarating feeling. And then all of a sudden it's like I'm on the sidelines. I get one of my position coach gives me a hug. He said, man, great. And it's like all of a sudden the light switch, it gets, the stadium gets loud. Like everybody said, the stadium is so loud. I didn't hear any of it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, like you said, it, it, you're dreaming. So that was, that's definitely the biggest play. You know, I've caught two, super, two touchdowns in Super Bowls. It's great to play in the Super Bowl. It's just an amazing experience in itself. You know, it, it's just uh, the adrenaline rush, the, the, uh, the atmosphere of the whole week is just an amazing experience. I, I, and I think one of the, the other thing is, um, Probably a first game in Carolina. You know, when you go from the Rams that used to play Carolina and we used to beat up on Carolina pretty good, when you sign with another team, they really don't care what you've done in the past. It's what are you going to do for them? Mm. And I, I just felt that tension from a lot of defensive guys of like, you know, okay, we just signed you to three-year deal. What are you going to do for us? So I kind of put pressure on myself, you know, to really want to make plays, wanted to do well for that organization and that team to kind of to where they would accept me. And um, so we get in the first game against Jacksonville. We're down 17 to three. We start coming back. We bring in Jake DeLome. That was kind of the birth of Jake DeLome. And mm -hmm. we bring him in and he throws a touchdown to Steve Smith and Moose Muhammad. And now we're getting the game. It's, it's, we're down, but it's close game. And it's, we're, it's basically, I think it was um, fourth and 11 on the 12 yard line with 16 seconds left and I scored a game winning touchdown. And it was that moment for me where teammate, you know, everybody just, you know, we, we go on and win and we go on to the Super Bowl. but it was that moment for me that I felt like I was accepted amongst my teammates in a new organization, which it, it uh, that meant a lot. That, that would, that was a huge catch for me personally. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, 17-year career, two Super Bowls, played on some amazing teams and a contributor in every single one. Loved watching you play. You played with grit. You weren't the biggest guy out there, but you were the toughest guy out there, in, in my opinion, all the time. When did you know it was time to move on? When did you know it was time to hang it up? When I, when I signed with Indy my last year, 2006, I signed with them in November. They were were making a run for the Super Bowl and they had a couple injuries and they brought me in, did a workout and um, they eventually, they actually worked out in October and wanted to have the opportunity to play with Peyton. God, what an amazing experience that was. Um, but it was when I went to Indy and we went on that run to Super Bowl and I was in a hotel by myself for probably two and a half months, the whole road to the Super Bowl, the playoffs and then the Super Bowl in Miami. But not being there with the kids, um, them starting high school, them getting older. After the season, I had opportunities to go to San Francisco, to go to Houston, 
And my kids were getting ready. My daughter was getting ready to start high school. And I just said, you know what, this, it's not about me anymore. I I don't want to have to drag them out of high school and bring them across the country to San Francisco or Houston. And I don't want to be by myself without them. I mean, I was basically in Indy. I was by myself during Christmas. Mm. It it just, it kind of hit home. It was like this, you know, it's, I need to be a father. I need to be there for them. It's not about me. And uh, that, that was, that was the time that really I made the decision that I needed to, to step down and and retire and and be a a husband and a dad. Yeah. You know, it it seems like it's a a glamorous job to have, but very rarely do people see the other side of it. Just like you said, on the road constantly, you have a family, they're doing their thing. You're doing your thing. You got a football family now, right? Both your, you got, first of all, you got three kids, right? You got two boys and a girl. Yeah. Three kids. My, my daughter just had twins. So I'm a, I'm a grandpa now. I don't, I don't think of myself as a grandpa, but yeah, I'm a, uh, you don't look like a I'm grandpa. A pop, I'll tell you grand, that. Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. But yeah, he, she just had twins. So yeah, my oldest is a daughter and then I got two boys, Austin and Blake. So yeah, I'm, I'm truly blessed. Austin signed with uh he's a New York giant, right? Yeah. And then signed with the giants. And Blake's yep. in Minnesota? Correct. Blake's in Minnesota. Man, so what, what are game days going to look like in the Prole House? Is this the first year they both playing? No. Well, last year um, they ended up um, – Blake got hurt in training camp, and he was doing really well, and Austin was doing well. And he had a slight – you know, now it's so hard. He, he had a, a calf strain, missed a, a week, and they, they cut him, and they brought him back. He was on the practice squad, and then Blake was obviously on IR. So he he's been in Minnesota, but it it would be uh, it would be awesome if they both run an active roster. It would be it, I think my wife and I would probably be going in two different directions, maybe <laughs> sporting it, or or we try to try to go to one for a couple of weeks and then go to the other and go see him play. But definitely support them. You know, it's just so much fun and so exciting to see them realize their dreams and and uh, and just my my wife and I are just so proud of all three of them and. Yeah. and um, you know, it's been it's been exciting. It really has. That's awesome. Can't leave your daughter out, right? You said she's married, had twins. You're a pop now. What is Ricky Pole, the, the pop, the grandfather, look like? How is that chapter in life treating you? I'm still a kid at heart. So, I mean, I had the midnight duty the other day. I went and helped out. Her husband is at work, and he's getting ready to take some time off. But he was working, and she asked me because my wife struggles to get up in the middle of the night. And, I'm that guy that needs four hours of sleep. That's about it. So I, I just, man, I, I love my kids. I love being there for them. Um, I'd do anything for them. So she asked me if I would take the, the graveyard shift. And growing up in New Jersey, I used to have it at a 7-Eleven. That's right. 7-Eleven. So I said, I'm, I'm, I'm there. So I, I, I was there. And I, I just, man, it, it's just amazing to see your child birth two beautiful babies and, and to watch her be a mother is life changing. And, and, uh, uh, it, it's just so awesome. So proud of her and, uh, the mother she is and her husband Cole is doing a, a great job. It's just, it, I'll be honest with you, Nick, it, it, it trumps all the, the great catches I've, I've made as, wow, as a that's football awesome, player. Man. It's just, uh, yeah. to be a, a, a proud dad and now a, a, a grandfather and to watch to be, you know, just to see these kids, um, you know, they're a month old today. It's just, it's just awesome. Can't explain the love that you have for your grandkids, your kids, when you watch them go through, you know, life and get older and get mature. It's just awesome. That's crazy. I can't, my oldest is 12, like I said, and I always say, 
it's the fastest 12 years of my life or whatever age she is. You know, it's just like in a blink. I'm like, I can't believe that she's she's 12. She turns 12 on Friday. But on to your, your beautiful family, your beautiful wife. What made you guys decide to call Greensboro home? What was the decision there? <laughs> it's a great question. I think it was, you know, my wife's from Raleigh. We loved, uh, you know, I played in Charlotte, lived in Charlotte. I went to Wake Forest. If you look at the map of North Carolina, we're right in the middle of the state. Yep. You know, I love my in-laws to death. I didn't want to be in Raleigh. I didn't love Winston-Salem. I loved Wake Forest. But I, we just didn't. We were looking for a certain thing. We wanted convenience. So we're right in the middle. We're, we're an hour, a little over an hour to Charlotte, a little over an hour to Raleigh, and 30 minutes from Wake Forest. So it's that's kind of what, what happened. We end up, once I got traded to Seattle, sold our house in Arizona and said, you know what, let's, this is where we're going to make home. And, and that's what we did, you know, back, I don't know what it's almost 30 years ago, 1995, I think is when we made Greensboro our home. Very cool. And you started a, uh, an awesome facility here in Greensboro called Prolific Park. Can you first tell us how that came about? What was your decision behind that? It was, um, well, first of all, it was a God thing, the whole prolific, the name, I worked on it when I was in Indy by myself in hotel room of working up the logo and the brand. And um, when I made a catch, when we won a Super Bowl, there was a picture of Austin on my shoulders and it had prolific, but it wasn't, it was spelled my last name and then it had a, a dash IFIC and it always kind of resonated, yeah. you know, uh, man, it's pretty cool. And what I was thinking being in, in Indy, Going back to our conversation five minutes ago of, man, what am I going to do after football? And this is probably it. I just thought about growing up in New Jersey, you know, being a kid and just playing sports. You know, everything's so structured now. Everything's, you know, and, and, and like you said, there, there, it is competitive. And, and you want to have training. They need training to be competitive, to get better at whatever sport they want to play. But I love playing all the sports. And I think a lot of times now it's, it's all about one sport and try to perfect that sport. And um, I wanted kids to be kids. I wanted them to have a place that they could come and feel safe. Parents could drop them off and they could play whatever they wanted to, whether it was play shoot baskets, whether it was go on a turf field and play, you know, pick up football or soccer, go outside and, and get in the cages. Just wanted to create a safe haven for kids to come and be kids and, and um, learn life skills through sports. And I think I just look back on all the things that it taught me from work ethic to going through your ups and downs and how to fight through adversity and persevere. And I just wanted to create a platform where kids could realize their dreams, whether it was to play on their high school team or whether it was to go play on their favorite college team. They grew up watching play softball, football, baseball, soccer, and then play at the next level to where we had everything they have right here prolific to be productive, to, to be able to realize their dreams. And that's why I always sign like dreams come true because mine did. And, and it takes mentors. It took my high school coach, mom and dad. It took my sister, the support of family, community. And I wanted to build community here in Greensboro that over time people would realize that I wasn't just a, a guy that played 17 years that was trying to make a, a buttload of money. And I wanted to build community, build something special that kids and families could thrive in and it's taken 14 years like you said a lot of people didn't know we were here they still don't but words getting out we i got a great staff i got a great group of kids that that work for me that have been loyal and truthful and bust their tail and and it's 
awesome to see the level of athlete that's starting to come to prolific, the families that are coming that, you know, we, we don't always, we're going to fail at certain things, but we own it. And, um, it's just, I wouldn't change anything. We, it was a tough time. We, when we built in 2008, the economy hit and then yeah. we went through COVID. I wouldn't change anything. Learned so much through the ups and downs and it all came from being an athlete and learning how to persevere and, and, and trust in, in the Lord and, and um, and in the people around you, surround yourself with great people. And, um, and again, that, that came from my upbringing in New Jersey, it came from my, my sports background. And now it's in my, in the business world of prolific park. That's awesome. Ricky, tell our listeners a little bit about, I've been there. Great facility. Tell our listeners a little bit about what prolific park has to offer. We've got a ton of stuff. Yeah, we've got, we've got an after school program that in my mind is second to none. Angie does an amazing job with our curriculum. Every day it's different, but the kids get to do what, what we talk about, Nick. And, and that's just, um, they get to, they come and do their homework. Um, they get mentored by young teachers, whether they're college or out of college. They play from stuff that we're going dodgeball to soccer, pick up basketball. They go outside, they play on the playground. They get to be kids and they get to, to go play, you know, where they're not just sitting in a room. They're getting, they're being active. And, and um, I think that's huge the other day we had tryouts for our, our rec basketball league I, well it's not really a rec it's a challenge league it's more competitive um and steve shelton our basketball director has done an amazing job but we were looking at kids and their evaluations and i'm watching some kids dribble all they had to do is dribble and do a layup dribble back and do a layup and then shoot free throws so some of the kids struggle to dribble down the court and then you look at the kids that are in our after school program that play in our challenge league they do it every day. So you can just tell, you can di- differentiate the kids that yeah. are here every day, dribbling basketballs and throwing baseballs. And then the kids that aren't, that come straight home and sit in front of a TV. So we have everything, like you said, from volleyball, we have basketball, we have flag football, we have travel baseball, travel volleyball, every sport you can imagine, lacrosse, field hockey, we do it here. We have an opportunity to, to teach every sport to, uh, you know, introduce it to kids in our community. Um, and if they're interested in taking it to another level or playing at a, you know, a, a challenge or, you know, it's not a travel ball, it's maybe a league yeah. where it's a rec league, flag football or basketball, and then our travel baseball, softball, you know, it's, we, we have it all here. And it's, like I said, it, it's, it's building community. It's teaching life skills through sports. And, and uh, it, it's fun to watch kids that were, seven, eight years old and they're after school and now they're playing baseball in our program or basketball or, you know, you see them at GDS. Now they're going to, you know, it's just so much fun. We've been open for 14 years now. So you've seen that generation where that it's another generation right? starting. It's, it's awesome. It's, I, I just sit sometimes humbled, you know, you have a vision, you don't know if it's going to work. And, and it was a lot of tough times and it's, I sit up there and just watch the people at work and watch all the kids. And it's just, man, it just, just it gives me a great feeling that it's it's working and and it's it's uh, I'm proud of it. That's awesome. Very cool. And besides Prolific Park, you also have the Power Play Foundation that that's helped a ton of kids. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about that foundation and you know why you wanted to start it? Well, we just everybody just equal opportunity. You know, we just wanted to give every kid an opportunity, and and some people don't have the resources. Some family, you know, special have special needs and. Um, you know, my wife and I started our foundation out of the Greensboro um, Family Foundation. 
back in 95 when we made Greensboro our home. And we just, so many local organizations need our help um, from Children's Home Society to Boys and Girls Clubs. And when we built the park, it was a natural fit. Our after school program, we scholarship families that can't afford the program. You can't, whether it's playing baseball, travel ball, it becomes expensive. These, these sports become expensive, mm-hmm. you know, softball, volleyball. So we wanted to help kids give every family and child equal opportunities. So our foundation has two events, big events. We've raised, you know, I would say probably close to $10 million over the years. And, and we give back a percentage to the community and we give back to local kids and families to help provide them an opportunity to play sports, to be in our after-school program, to, to be able to associate with other kids that maybe they wouldn't normally be in contact with. We just built an inclusive playground, $200,000 playground that's wheelchair accessible. It's interactive with kids with um, autoimmune dis- you know, disease. It's just, it's just, uh, it's amazing. And, it, and the, the, the biggest thing that is I can't stress enough, the support of the community local businesses, organizations that have supported uh, the Power Play Foundation to, to make all this stuff possible. Because like I said, you know, it does take a village to raise a child and, and um, it wouldn't be, it, it, it wouldn't have been possible without the support of the community. Very cool. And I know you said you give back a percentage, but I read 40% of all donations that you guys receive for the Power Play, you're giving back to the Boys and Girls Club, the FCA, that's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Greensboro, Cerebral Palsy, Infant and Toddler Program, Children's Home Society, United Way, and it goes on and on and on. Like you said, that's awesome. You know, like you and I talked before, Doug and I, or one of the things about our podcast is we're vested in our community, and we're so glad that you're able to hop on, uh, you know, with us. And give back to you know the community like you are. But what about our listeners? If they want to you know get in with the Power of Play Foundation, can they go online? How do they contribute if they wanted to donate to the Power of Play Foundation? Yeah, they can go to our website at Prolific Park. Remember, the spelling is P R O E H L I F I C Park dot com, and we have a tab there for the Power of Play Foundation. Just look for Foundation, or they can they can uh, search Power of Play Foundation. And as for my executive director is Natasha Hilburn. Um, they could also call up here, uh, 336-665-5233. And ask if they want information, they can ask for Natasha Hilburn or myself. And we can answer any question they have and um, point them in the right direction. That's awesome. Ricky, I appreciate your time. It's been a real honor to be able to speak with you learn more about you and your family and of course prolific park and the foundation so thank you for your time today and thank you for coming on good vibes nation thanks a lot man appreciate it pleasure what's up guys it's nick here i know you guys are probably expecting bonehead news or a did you know segment right about now but i just wanted to take a second and go off the cuff on this one i'm sure you guys already know or some of you already know but our youngest daughter carly she was admitted to the hospital on sunday for trouble breathing it wasn't a good situation at all but I can't speak more highly of the doctors and the staff at Brenner's Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem. They were great from the minute we stepped in the door to the minute we were able to walk out those doors and, and bring Carly home today. She was in the hospital for two nights, and she's on the mend now. All of your prayers were felt. God showed up, and he showed up big. Carly, she's home now and resting, like I said. We still have a road ahead of us, but the doctors say she'll be back to sports soon. And that's really big for her, for those of you who know Carly. She's the most selfless person 
that I've ever met in my life. And, and I mean that wholeheartedly. She thinks of others way before she thinks of herself. So thank you guys for all the prayers and support and the messages. God is good and he answers prayers. I hope you guys know that. But uh, when we were there, even though we were going through our own thing, I couldn't help but notice there's other families fighting their own battles. Carly had a room. Uh, one of her rooms was right outside where the helipad was. And that window, you saw those life flights going in and out all day long. I mean, it, my heart just goes out to all of those families that are fighting those, those battles there and on a daily basis. I know times are tough right now, guys, but if you have the means, please support organizations like Ricky's Power to Play where they provide equipment like the playground he talked about for those who have special needs and are immunocompromised. They do so much for our community. You can support them monetarily or, or even just with their time. Reach out to them if you have the means to, uh, to, to donate somehow, some way. And keep listening to us here at Good Vibes Nation. We've got some great guests coming up and some other A-listers just like Ricky. So I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you for everyone, all of you at uh, Good Vibe Nations, our friends and family. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for the prayers and support. And until next time, guys, we out.